You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome in to the Gary Harris Show for this Monday, December 18, one week from Christmas, 2023. And we've got a good show lined up for you today on the Gary Harris Show. I'm your host, Gary Harris. I've got my main man, Justin Jones, right there on the other side of the glass, manning the controls, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. That's 205-342-9904. And uh, we have, as I said, a good show lined up for you today. We're going to run it down here in just a second, get you started, recap the weekend, talk Bama football, talk Bama basketball, and more. Right now, though, I need to tell you, as always, this hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Convenience and savings make life better. Find out more about the ACU Lifestyle Account. Go to alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com. Or get by and see them at one of their many locations around the state of Alabama. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. And pull extra change in your pocket. All right, what a weekend it was. Of course, uh, Saturday night, Alabama men's basketball on the road at uh, Creighton and took the uh, number eight Blue Jays right down to the wire and had a chance to tie it at the end. Mark Sears had a three-pointer. It was a long shot. It was probably 35-footer or so off the backboard, but it went halfway down the cylinder. I mean, it rimmed all the way down. It spun down the cylinder and spun out, and that's just kind of the way it's going for Alabama in these big games against tough teams. They're close, but they can't get over the hump. They lose it by six, and uh, now they have the daunting task of going to number one ranked, Arizona on Wednesday night, although I doubt Arizona will be number one when the poll comes out later today. They did lose to Purdue, a team that Alabama's already played and lost to uh, in a close game. So lose to Purdue by six and Creighton by three. Uh, They've lost to Ohio State. They've lost to Clemson, but still losses are losses, and they're starting to mount up. And Alabama continues to just have a lot of problems guarding big guys down low. Uh, Wagi, I think, got to play seven minutes of court time before he fouled out in the game. Uh, Pringle fouled out. Um, you know, some of it could be how it's being officiated. Some could, some of it could be how they're guarding. I mean, offensively, they're not having any issues. They're scoring the basketball. Alabama scoring the basketball, although they didn't shoot the three well against Creighton. They shot it very poorly. But um, they still score a lot of points. But, you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, there's the, the discrepancy at the foul line in both the – Purdue game and the and the Creighton game just just too much to overcome. I mean, there's no there's just no other way around it. I mean, you you go to the free throw line 13 times and make eight, and your opponent goes 29 times and makes 21. I mean, you do the math. That's 13 point differential. They lost by three, 85, 82. They had 35 field goals to 29. You know they they held their own on the backboard. I mean, they out rebounded Creighton 38, 36. But they can't guard without fouling. And that's uh, that's really starting to hurt this team. So, 
you know, you can't feel sorry for yourself in sports. You just have to come back and try to win the next one, and that's what they'll have to try to do on Wednesday night out in Phoenix against Arizona, but it will not be easy. Justin, you watched the game. What was your biggest takeaway from Alabama and Creighton? Was it simply their inability to to um, guard uh, in the low post without fouling? Was it uh, the fact that they, they shot poorly from the three-point line in this game, 4 of 22? Uh, what was the biggest thing that you saw and the reason they lost the game? Well, I think watching the game, Gary, clearly three-point shooting mattered. Um, I, we shot poorly compared to what we had been shooting in previous games, but I didn't think it mattered as much in this game because we were finding so much in the paint. I think around halftime we or late in the second half, um, we had like 56 of our points, which was like 70 at the time, um, in the paint. Mark Sears was finding it with several lobs. It is the fouls, though, and I don't know if that's the discrepancy there between the teams. You can talk about officials, but it's it's simple, simply like you just said, the big man. We, we struggle with the big man. We don't really have a matchup or an answer for it, especially when we're talking about top teams like Purdue with Zach Eady, Creighton, and then Arizona coming up on Wednesday. Yeah, it's something that uh, they got to get better at. Uh, this is a good basketball team. Alabama's a good team. Uh, but, again, they, they turned over the roster basically from last year with all the players that left, and they are playing a really difficult schedule. This is a difficult schedule even for an experienced team or a team that had a lot of guys coming back. You add in all the new players that they have, and you try to navigate through this, and it, it, it isn't easy. And they are, they are struggling with it. All right, 205-342-9904. 205-342-9904 is the number. If you want to give us a call on the First Domain Condominiums Hotline, presented by First Domain Condominiums, Luxury Condominiums in Historic Downtown Northport, 205-342-9904. It's a new week and a new Monday. Justin, let's go ahead and hit them up with some Monday morning headlines here on the Gary Harris Show. Well, the fourth-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide football team kicked off preparations yesterday for the upcoming CFP semifinal against top-ranked Michigan at the Rose Bowl, scheduled for New Year's Day. Tomorrow, uh, or actually I should say today, uh, we're going to hear from several Crimson Tide players and Crimson Tide head coach Nick Saban will meet with the media this evening following practice. We'll have complete coverage all week long right here on Tide 100.9 FM. And Alabama defensive lineman Anquin Barnes entered the transfer portal last week, and after receiving numerous offers, he has found a new home. Barnes announced on Sunday evening that he has committed to transfer to Colorado. The 6'5", 315-pound defensive tackle posted on X that he is boulder-bound. The Montgomery Lee High School product spent three seasons at Alabama. He did not play very much. He didn't play at all his first two seasons, then saw action against uh, Middle Tennessee and Chattanooga this past season, so he decided it was time to make a move. Also, good news, though, in terms of the portal, offensive tackle Elijah Pridgett went in, and he has now come out. On Saturday, he announced that he is coming back out of the portal. So that is a good thing because Elijah Pritchett's talented, and uh, he might be the guy that's going to wind up starting at right tackle next year. J.C. Latham goes into the draft as expected. Bama in the NFL on Sunday. We'll actually start on Saturday. Jameer Gibbs on Saturday night, 11 carries, 100 yards, and a touchdown. He caught two passes and had another score. He's a dynamic player as the Lions Beat the Broncos 42-17 in Miami yesterday. No Tyreek Hill, no problem for the Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa was 21-24 for 224 yards and a 60-yard touchdown strike to his former Crimson Tide teammate Jalen Waddell as the Dolphins shut out the New York Jets 30-0. Waddell had a season-high 142 yards on eight catches as he picked up the slack with Tyreek Hill, the cheetah being out. In Cleveland, Amari Cooper caught four passes for 109 yards and a touchdown. That touchdown came in the fourth quarter. And it tied the game up after the Browns trailed 
17 to 7 against the Bears going into the fourth quarter. He caught the ball between three defenders, knifed through them, and stayed in bounds and raced downfield for a 51-yard score that tied the game, and then the Browns won it. 20-17 after the Bears had a Hail Mary attempt that uh, probably should have been caught in the end zone. Kid was on his back and dropped it, but uh, good win for the Browns as they are definitely in the playoff hunt. In Charlotte, quarterback Bryce Young, Picked up his second career victory as the Carolina Panthers beat the Atlanta Falcons 9-7. Playing in miserable conditions, Young, who had struggled all afternoon, led the Panthers on a 17-play, 90-yard drive that took all 735 off the clock and led to the game-winning field goal as time expired. Young went 5-for-5 on the drive for 68 yards. So he came through. That's good. Bryce, you know, get a couple wins. It's nice for the rookie quarterback. And former Crimson Tide linebacker D'Amico Ryans is in the running for NFL Coach of the Year with no Will Anderson Jr., Nico Collins, or C.J. Stroud. The injury riddled Houston Texans improved their record to 8-5 following a 19-16 overtime victory over the Tennessee Titans in Nashville. The Texans' defense limited former Alabama running back Derrick Henry to 9 yards on 16 carries. You heard that correctly. 9 yards on 16 carries. Justin, you know what makes that so impressive? Derrick Henry has 6 games of 200 or more yards. Four of them have come against the Houston Texans. So you go from that kind of just just Henry lighting you up. I mean, D'Amico Ryans had a plan for him. He said, hey, listen, you can't hit him high and you got to get a bunch of people to him. They never gave him a chance to get going. I mean, you're talking about maybe the, that's probably the worst game of Derrick's career. Nine yards on 16 carries. Insult to injury there. The Titans were wearing the Oiler uniforms yesterday as well. And they sure of, were. They were, they were wearing the beautiful powder blues, man. Powder Blues. More portal news. This is from uh, Auburn. Of course, Robbie Ashford going into the portal. Javarius Johnson, the Robbie Ashford, the quarterback. Javarius Johnson, their uh, wide receiver, both in the portal. Uh, Hugh Freeze said that he had great conversations with Robbie and wishes all those guys the best. Everybody has to make their own choices of what they think is the best for them. We try to give them great advice and wisdom and obviously convince them to stay if we think that's best for them. But I enjoyed my conversations with Robbie and wish him the best. Portal is uh, is just the world we're living in. Jacksonville State, how about the Gamecocks, man? Uh, playing in a first year in FBS. They play in a bowl game, the New Orleans Bowl. They gave up, I want to say they gave up like three defensive touchdowns in that game, but still won at 34-31. Kid kicked a field goal, Garrison Rippa, who was backup kicker all year, uh, simply became the kicker because the other kicker went in the portal. And um, second career field goal attempt. Booted a 27-yarder in overtime as the Gamecocks beat the Raging Cajuns 34-31 to finish with a very impressive 9-4 record and uh, great, great year for Jacksonville State. Alabama women's basketball defeated Louisiana Monroe on Sunday 70-54 inside Coleman Coliseum. As she has been uh, most of the season, Sarah Ashley Barker led the way with 18 points and 8 rebounds. Alabama is off to a fast start this year. They are uh, 11 and 2 and really, really looking good. On the national scene, uh, sad news as you heard Wimp and Barry talking about former UNC basketball star Eric Montrose has passed away from cancer at the age of 52. And um, he was a really, really big, strong center for the Tar Heels and in the NBA. So that's a check of some headlines. We're off and running here on the Gary Harris Show. And let's go ahead and uh, get Tom on before we hit the break because he's been on hold on the First of Main Condos hotline. Good morning, Tom. Gary, what's up, buddy? Hey, brand new week. 
You know, the basketball team was so disappointing to me on uh, Saturday night because out of these three, uh, four big games we got scheduled, I thought that may be our best shot at winning one of them of a ranked team and because um, I give us no chance against Arizona and uh, all that kind of good stuff. But, uh, you know, there's been some interesting comments this morning on the game. I thought Joe from Northport hit the home run, though, with his call with Barry and Coach. And his take is that why does Coach O not want to go to uh, any form of a uh, zone defense, particularly when you got people uh, in foul trouble in the paint. And, uh, and, and so everybody, you know, they go this, that, and the other. And, and, and uh, I was at one of Barry's games the other night. And I thought they played a team that was ranked, and they were, it was obviously it was a good basketball team. They had a real good player on their team. And the way Barry and them approached the game defensively, I think Coach Oates and them could take some lessons from them. I swear to God, I believe that to be the case. And it was uh, the, they, they would run zone, and then they would come out of it, and they would run like two different kind of zones, a uh, one-three-one one minute and, and a uh, three-two, two-three. They, they were constantly changing the defensive thing up and they was making a pretty good team think. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and it, it, it created problems for them. And, uh, and, and, and Northridge was able to uh, capitalize on it, but not at Alabama, by God. We're going to play one kind of defense. We don't give a damn if we do get beat. Well, I, I think they're looking at a lot of different things. I mean, listen um... – I understand your frustration, Tom. At, at the same time, I mean, they're they're right in these games, and um, you know that's uh, that's the way they like to play. I'm, I'm sure they're going to try to tweak some this week. I mean, I think Coach Oates is very aware of their deficiencies, so I, you know, I, I trust him to get them fixed. I, I think he's, you know, he's earned uh, our trust. The same thing. Every game. Same uh-huh. thing. I, the games we won, it was the same thing. And I was concerned. I called you. Yeah. I told you. I said I'm concerned about this team and their defensive proudness. And and uh, and lo and behold, it's come in there to haunt us. And uh, and it's all because. And I tell you something. You want to know the truth? They missed Charlie Henry over there on that bench. I don't know who those people are on the bench, but uh, they need to eat their wheaties. <laughs> Well, they're going to keep working, and uh, they got a good team. And uh, okay, I think well, once they get in the league, Tom, no, I, I think they got a good team. I mean, I'm not trying to to lollygag here. I think they're good. I think they've lost some tough games against really good teams. I think once they get in the conference, they're going to be better. I don't think the SEC is probably as strong as some of these teams are playing out of the conference. So. I, I hope not. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I hope not, but I, I tell you this, I am so uh, – I, I was disappointed, though, Saturday night. I really was. It, it was a – you know, and I hate uh, Joe's one of the best callers uh, that calls into the show. He knows what he's talking about. He said it was like a sandlot game. By God, you know what it was? It was so undisciplined, so scatterbrained, and everything else. It just uh, I couldn't even watch the second half. I quit at the half. It, it was it was so frustrating. I, I just could not watch it. All right, Tom. 
Whatever, Gary. I, you could agree with me. Well, I don't. I, I don't want to agree with you because I, I don't agree with you. I, I think that. Listen, here is the deal. Um, they've got to get better defensively. I think they. I think they will. I remember when Anthony I Grant was here. I, just got saying, I remember Gary. when Anthony Grant was here. The phone calls were just the opposite. Ah, uh, you know, every game's in the fifties. It's boring. You know, they can guard, but they can't score. You know, they don't have any Not offense. And and so now they're scoring. Yeah. You know they're not they're not winning as many games right now as they'd like to to win. They'd like to have beaten Purdue. They'd like to have beaten Creighton. But it's exciting basketball. It's up and down the floor, and now people are complaining about that. I mean, you know, it's it's when I, I've said all along since he got here, Tom. You've heard me when you play this kind of style offensively. You're gonna you, you can't be everything. You're gonna give up some points. You're gonna give up. There's more possessions in the game. Uh, it's harder sometimes to get back and get set on defense. And they're a they're a transition type team. And when you are able to isolate them in the low post, sometimes they're vulnerable. But that you know, last year they had Charles Bediaco, and we didn't hear this stuff because they had a rim protector. You know, they were they were expecting him to be back when he decided to go into the draft. That changed this team. I think if you got Charles Bediaco there at the rim, you know, they probably won the game against Purdue. They probably Probably won the game against Creighton. They probably won the game against Clemson. So you know, sometimes a guy, you know, losing a guy like that unexpectedly can make a big difference. So I'm not making excuses. I'm just pointing out the same thing you're pointing out without being as negative about it. I mean, I'm not saying that uh, you're. You know, that that was a good point. I agree with you. Uh, And uh, what do you think about my take on uh, Charlie Henry? Well, I, th- I think the guys they brought in are really good coaches. I-, I think there's a reason Charlie Henry got a head job. I think he's excellent. Uh, but I, you know, I think the guys they brought in are are, are good coaches too. L- listen, it's a bottom line business at the end of the day. Fans only want wins or L's. You know, if Sears shot goes in and then they win that game in overtime, it's a whole different mentality this morning. You know, uh, but they didn't. So I get it. But outside of the free throw disparity. Um, and a lot of that is brought in, brought on. You're right by the way they play defense, I guess. But I thought they outplayed Creighton in the game. I, I, I thought there's nothing that I saw in that game that that said, you know, led me to believe and say that Creighton's better than Alabama. I think Alabama's every bit as good as Creighton, if not better. Uh, but you know, one team gets the free throw line, one team doesn't. And Alabama did not make the threes the way they normally do. And they missed a lot of open threes that they make. So I guess the way I'm saying it, Tom, is that you know they didn't make threes. They didn't get to the free throw line, and they still had a shot rim out at the end to force overtime. So I'm optimistic based on the fact that they're not playing their best, and they're still in these games against really good teams. We'll see, Gary. We Mr. will. Half glass full. But um, I hope you're right. I, I really do because I, I do love to win. But uh, some of this is just frustrating. I, I, this defensive effort, I mean, the – the IQ on defense is just not there. And I don't mean I mean basketball IQ. Well, Tom, they're gonna work on it. Man, that's all I can tell you, buddy. Thanks. Bye. All right. It's uh nine twenty one. We'll get to the break. We'll come back and uh, got time for more phone calls. I didn't even give the guest line up, I don't think. Uh Rodney Orr coming up at nine thirty, Bama football with Rodney Orr. And then at ten uh, thirty we will have uh Casey Smith on golf. So Sit back and relax, and uh, let's get the week started off in style. The Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC, Tide109.com, and the Tide 109 app. We're back after this. This season of Alabama football on Tide 100.9, brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse Casino. Just a few minutes away where you can be a winner, too. 
From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama Sports and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama athletics. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. On Sunday, Alabama women's basketball picked up a 70-54 win over ULM. Head coach Christy Curry joined us on the radio after the game. You know, I thought we really came out. You know, we're a team that's averaging 81 a game and held them to 54. Uh, really pleased. We made some adjustments there early and just really pleased with our kids' toughness and focus. You know, they're a really good team. Um, they've got five Division One transfers in their starting lineup from the ACC and the SEC. Um, so i just really pleased with our kids' toughness because I thought it was really physical. I thought I thought the, the uh, it, it was really interesting that they just let us play like they did. Um, but at the end of the day, I just loved our kids' toughness toughness and the ability to get stops when we needed it. Got stops, got a lot of rebounds as well. Yeah, loved our passion on the boards. You know, we've been a team that's really been working on our rebounding. But what I loved most about that number is the 15 offensive boards. Man, I thought our kids played their guts out on the boards and really a day where a team that rebounds and shoots it so well. I'll have more in a moment. There is no substitute for hard work. Just ask the Crimson Tide. At Dex Imaging, they know the meaning of hard work, too. You don't become the best in the office equipment business without it. If you need a copier and printer company that understands hard work, quality, dependability, and customer service, then give Dex Imaging a call or go to DexImaging.com. Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider of Alabama Athletics. Join us tonight for Hey Coach, presented by Alpha Insurance from Baumhauer's Victory Grill in Tuscaloosa at 6 p.m. We'll talk Crimson Tide women's basketball with Meg Newman and Christy Curry. Plus, we'll be joined on the phone by Alabama men's basketball head coach, Nate Oates. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Dex Imaging. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Krispy Kreme is a Tuscaloosa tradition since 19... 19- 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Sunny and breezy at times today. The high 55. Clear and turning colder tonight. The low 26. Tomorrow and Wednesday, a good supply of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow 48. The high Wednesday in the middle 50s at 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 42 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. Nine twenty-six. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. We're gonna have a quick segment here to get back on time. I don't know what time, Tom. If you're listening, I don't know what you want me to say. I mean, I, um, I certainly think there's things that they can they can work on. But I mean, I'm this is a good team in my opinion. I mean, I, you know, they lost like I said to six by six to Purdue. They lost by three on the road in a place where Creighton just doesn't lose to non-conference opponents, and um, you know they're scoring a lot of points. And, yeah, they need to play better defensively. But they're they're working on it. I know they're working on it. And I know everything that we think they need to work on, they're looking at. You know, Coach Saban and that staff, they study the analytics. They break down the video. I mean, they see all the things. I promise you, they see the things that we see. So, again, I'm not trying to be Mr. Sunshine here. but And I agree with you on Barry Sanderson. He's an excellent basketball coach and does a great job, you know, him coaching at the high school level for some of these teams that they face is a big disadvantage for them because he's got all that college experience. But if we see it, 
uh, they see it and they're they're working on it. You know, it's just one of those things where they could have played an easier schedule, could have played you know some directional teams, and the record would be better. But uh, you know, Coach Oates wants to compete at the highest level against the best teams, and that's what they're doing. And you're not going to win all those games, particularly when you lose as much as they lost off of last year's team. In fact, it's probably remarkable they're as competitive as they are because the way that roster got gutted, um, it would have not been in- inconceivable for this year's team not to be very good at all. And he went out and he brought in players, and they're still really talented. And we'll see what they do Wednesday night. Who knows? I mean, I, you know, they're they're good enough to play with Arizona. It's in Phoenix, but we'll go out there and we'll see what they see what they do. All right, nine twenty eight. We're gonna get back on time when we come back on the other side. Bama football with Rodney Orr, and we will uh, we'll have Mr. Titer Insider on next right here on the Gary Harris Show. It's time to ring in the new year, right? Bama, a winner over the Georgia Bulldogs, claiming. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Our coverage starts at 1 on New Year's Day on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Patterson Comer. The best station in the state. Breaking down Alabama sports. Tide 100.9. And streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. visit with Rodney Orr from TiderInsider.com, Tider Insider TV. Got a brand new book coming out in the very near future, and uh, Bama football is on the menu this morning. Good morning, Rodney. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Doing well. Alabama cranked it up uh, Saturday. Preparations beginning for the Rose Bowl and the college football playoff semifinal against Michigan on New Year's Day. And uh, they'll be working hard this week and taking a little bit of a break for Christmas and then convening and heading out to uh, Pasadena next week. So it's back to work, Rod. A lot lot going on in recruiting. We're going to get to the portal and so forth. But right now the focus has to be on preparing this team for what you work for all year. And that's an opportunity to have a chance to win a national championship. And Alabama is one of four, four schools that have that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, pretty incredible, actually. You know, we've talked about the journey of this team and, you know, where they are. So, you know, again, this is the start of the second season coming up, really. I guess you could say the SEC championship game was the start of the second season because it was a play-in game, really. Um, you know, and Alabama played extremely well and put themselves in this position that they're in. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to, to get some feedback on how the practices have gone. Again, they practiced, what, uh, Saturday and yesterday uh, you know, in preparation here. And then, as you mentioned, I think they leave on the 26th to head out to, to Pasadena and, 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 you know, finish up pre- preparations out there for, for a Michigan team that's uh, you know, really a good team. So uh, ranked number one for reasons. Uh, so it's going to be real interesting. Yeah, it is going to be really interesting. It's good. This is the best Michigan team they feel like they've had in in years, and Alabama is playing its uh, you know playing its its best football at the right time. We talked all season about this team 
Ronnie, that we felt like they were going to get better. And uh, if they got to November and, and were in a position to do something special, they might have a shot. The key was navigating that schedule, and they were able to do it. When you look back at it, you already said it's pretty remarkable. I mean, coming out of that South Florida game, again, not to beat a dead horse, but there weren't a lot of people that gave them a chance to, to run the table the way that they have. And you remember the game against <laughs> Ole Miss, you know, uh, and, and, and Tennessee and Texas A&M and LSU and Auburn and Georgia. I mean, you know, that's what championship teams do. I mean, it wasn't like they were going out and just blowing people out, but they found a way. They had a lot of mental toughness this team had, a lot of intestinal fortitude, and really just the clutch gene that we've seen more talented teams not have and not make it to this point, and this team found a way. Mm, yeah. Now, I think there's a lot. A lot of the things you see out of this team are the things that Nick Saban always tries to you know, build his program on and has built his program on and tries to sow into his players, and I think that uh, this team, for whatever reason, really kind of soaked it all up and you know even though they seem to be struggling early obviously uh you know that that never kind of deterred them uh you know that the all these players that stepped up so many of them and again I always start with Jalen Milrow he wasn't perfect uh but he's done an incredible job of kind of uh managing this team and uh, offensively and you know getting better and better and better each week and uh, you know, making plays when he had to, even when he was struggling, he would find a way to make plays. And I think that's what really a championship quarterback does is is when things aren't necessarily going well for you on that particular day or that game, uh, you find ways in the, you mentioned the word clutch. I, I think he's probably exhibited some of that clutch mentality, obviously, and performance. Uh, obviously, it doesn't get much more clutch than fourth and 31. Mm. So, uh, you know, those types of things I think are really, really valuable. But as you start to head into this Michigan game, I know a lot of people are saying, you know, Alabama this, Alabama that, uh, Michigan is slow, Michigan's Big Ten. Michigan. This is a really quality Michigan team. Uh, people forget a couple of years ago when they played a 2019 season. Of course, uh, you know, Alabama had to change at quarterback. I thought Mac Jones played extremely well that day. But that was a close game until the end. Michigan had the ball at one point with the chance to go up, and Alabama ends up winning the game comfortably with that late touchdown. But this is a Michigan team that's really competitive. They're going to be strong at the line of scrimmage. I know they're missing a player or two up front offensively. That certainly could impact them. But this is they've got a real strong mentality. They've got a physical mindset. Uh, they run the ball. They've got a quarterback who's very, very athletic. I, I know he probably hasn't thrown the ball as well the last four or five games, but I think he's had an injury that, that – probably hasn't been publicized much that's that might have limited him some uh but this is a real quality team i think that jim harbaugh has and they're mentally tough and they're very experienced and that is something that you just cannot discount in a game like this no no doubt and they they had a lot of guys come back this year for this opportunity and they've earned it just like alabama has on the other side Roddy, we don't talk too much about it but i want to get your thoughts on on uh the texas and and uh, washington sugar bowl match up down in New Orleans. Of course, obviously, the winner of the Rose Bowl and the winner of the Sugar Bowl will meet in Houston on January 8th for the national championship. Uh, how do you see that matchup? Or have you looked at it you know, at all? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I would say this right now. If you, if you pressed me, I would probably, and again, uh, you know, I'm not a big Texas fan, as you know, growing up there. Uh, but I would probably say I would favor Texas, uh, you know, to win the national championship right now. Uh, because I think their defensive front is really, really stout. 
they've got a quarterback that, that can really make big plays. They've got great receivers. Uh, Sark is probably as good as anyone in the country at calling plays. Um, and, and they just seem to be uh, the last few games, even though I, the competition's not been great, let's be honest. They could have lost some games, especially when Ewers was out. But he's back, and they're playing really well. So I would say, yeah, I favor Texas, but here's the deal with me. Uh, Penix is really explosive. I mean, that offense that they have is really explosive. Uh, I don't think that they're really, you know, the, the defensive front of Texas could, could dominate the game, yeah. But what they do, Washington does offensively, is I think they can take advantage of Texas's weakness, which is a secondary. I think Texas is somewhere like 100 or something in pass defense. And I know someone that's uh, very close to the coaching staff there at Texas who, who told me, he said, look, we can play up front. We're really stout. We're really good up front. But guess what? We are really weak in the secondary. We, the way he phrased it was we can't cover anybody. Mm. So I think someone like Washington with Penix and the receivers that they have and the way they call the game and the way they play, they could score a lot of points on Texas. So I think in that regard, Texas is very – they're beatable in this game. It'll be a real interesting matchup, I think. Yeah, it should be two really entertaining games on on New Year's Day. All right, let's get to uh, some other topics surrounding Alabama football and, of course, the portal, and then we'll get to recruiting. I think a lot of us were caught off guard when Elijah Pritchett went into the portal. I mean, I think we're feeling like, man, you competed all year uh, with Proctor. You played some at left tackle. J.C. Latham more than likely is going to enter the draft, and you're going to be the favorite to win right tackle. Well, clearly, Nick Saban or somebody talked to him pretty quickly and 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 let him know that that was not the the you know probably the best route for him so Pritchett uh, goes into the into the portal and then releases a statement Saturday saying that he is not going to leave Alabama and he's looking forward to competing with the Crimson Tide uh, I think that's a you know as we know in this day and age Rodney it's it's about as much about managing your current roster as it is about getting in the portal and 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 recruiting high school players you want to keep the guys that you feel like can help you and Elijah Pritchett certainly has a lot of potential and he's just been here two years mm-hmm. Yeah, we could go back what three, four years ago. Tider and Tider TV. We used to talk about the portal. The you know that that, that it was this was what it was coming to. Mm-hmm. And and I said then you almost have to hire a retention staff to protect your roster because this is what's going to happen. It's going to be open recruiting on your roster. I've heard that you know to be frank with you, Gary, that one school in particular, and I, I'm not naming any schools, but they have hit up on Alabama's current players oh, yeah. uh, pretty hard. And making NIL offers and different types of guarantees and all of this stuff behind the scenes. Now, I don't know exactly what Pritchett's situation is, so I can't comment to that. But it would strike me that maybe someone got in his ear and told him he had a greener pasture somewhere else, so to speak. And, uh, you know, maybe that's what happened. And then, of course, Nick Saban. Really, nobody's better at Nick Saban than sitting someone down, calming them down, if you will, and saying, look, let's look at the big picture. You know, let's not overreact here. You've got a chance to be our starting right tackle next year, potentially. And, uh, you know, this is the opportunity that you have. Do you really want to jump ship, 
go somewhere that you really don't know what's going to happen there, yeah, you may start, but is it in your best interest to be in that program? They may guarantee you something, but again, is it in your best interest to be in that program versus the one here? And I think, you know, the good thing is that Elijah Pritchett certainly, uh, you know, thought about it and and, and understood that uh, this is probably the best opportunity he has. Exactly. And in Enquin Barnes' situation, I get that now. He, uh, defensive lineman out of Robert E. Lee and Montgomery, I still like his potential, you know, 6'4", 6'5", 315 pounds. He uh, he was here for three years. He didn't play at all his first two years and only got into two games against uh, uh, Middle Tennessee and Chattanooga this past year. So I understand it. He's going to land in Boulder and be part of Coach Prime's program there in Colorado. Yeah, and you know uh, Charles Kelly's there. Right. So that probably, you know, they, they're familiar with Anquin Barnes through Charles Kelly. Uh, you know, I always thought he was a big, powerful guy, Gary. And, again, I, I don't know all the story, all the details. I, I know you've talked to people. I've talked to people, too, uh, that said, you know, just one-on-one, a lot of the offensive linemen said this guy was uh, in practices was, was the guy you just didn't want to block because he was big and powerful. I don't know about all the other things that it takes to play the defensive line, what, what he might have been missing. But, uh, you know, for whatever reason, he wasn't playing here. And you certainly can't blame him. You know, he's got an opportunity somewhere else. And, um, you know, so this is this is part of it. You know, you're just not going to keep guys if they're not playing. There's some guys on the defensive line right now. I don't know if they're ready or they're not ready or whatever, but there's some other guys that I think uh, you wonder if maybe they might look into the portal uh, hereafter, you know, when these, this opportunity opens up for them. Probably most of them will wait until – because they're given an extra week or so, I think it is, Gary, after the, the playoffs to make their decision. So, um you know, again, when there's guys in that situation, they're going to certainly be open to the portal. And, of course, uh, against this backdrop of preparing to play in the college football playoff semifinal and the portal and roster management is adding to your roster through national signing day, which the national signing period begins on Wednesday. And Alabama is uh, trying to wrap up another really highly rated class. And and really, after a running back, Rod, here late, uh, whether it's Kevin Riley, Jaden Baugh, Daniel Hill, Alabama wants to add another running back. Where do they stand on that? You know, I think if I really wonder if they would like to add two. Okay. Uh, now, I will tell you this. Now, I haven't heard. You might have heard something. I haven't checked the last 24 hours or so. As, as Etienne from Florida, he has not made a decision, right? Not that I know of. Yeah, I was told, you know, late last week that the reason he had not made a decision is is he he likes Alabama quite a bit. I know that a lot of people are predicting Georgia, and that may be where he ends up. So I'll go ahead and throw that out. I, I haven't really even mentioned that on TitleInsider.com yet because I was I hadn't had a chance to check on his status. But Trevor Etienne from uh, from Florida, who's so highly regarded. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, uh, like I said, I was told that uh, he, he he has a real strong interest in Alabama, and that may be a big reason why he hasn't made a decision yet. So we'll see, you know, if they decided to take a guy like him out of the portal. But obviously you've got Jam Miller, you've got Justice Haynes, you've got Richard Young coming back. Uh, I assume that Roy Dell, or let's assume that Roy Dell and Jace are probably gone. Uh, we don't know that. but So that leaves you with three running backs. I would think you'd want to have five. Uh, and, and to me, Gary, just looking at it, if, if you've got those three backs, you've you got, you got to be careful now with the way you handle your roster because you take a guy like Etienne out of the portal, 
it could cost you one of those young guys. I mean, you just don't know mm-hmm. how they're going to respond. Mm-hmm. So that I think that's something to watch. You know, Riley's the local kid committed to Miami. You know, we'll see. He was here this weekend. Bow was here this weekend. I really liked him out of Decatur, Georgia, committed to Arkansas. I think there's a lot of talk about Alabama and Florida with him. Uh, Daniel Hill, I, you know, again, he stretched it out and gone back and forth so many different times. I think we're just going to have to wait until Wednesday, you know, to see what, what he decides to do. But you want to at least get one of those guys, um, maybe even two. I don't know. And, of course, Alabama is also actively pursuing edge rushers, Rodney, or outside linebackers or defensive ends, whatever. We, there's so many different names for them now. But guys that can come off the edge and get right. out for the quarterback. Yeah, I think uh, I think one to really watch right now. I talked to him last night. Jay Sean Ross out of Kansas City, uh, Missouri, came here on a unofficial visit over the weekend. He had already visited for the LSU game. Just pretty open last night when we spoke. Uh, you know, he, I asked him if there was a team that he felt like right now was the favorite. It's Alabama, Kansas State, Ole Miss, maybe another team or two, but those are the ones that were prominently mentioned. Uh, and he said, uh, he said right now, if he had to say, he would say roll tide. That was his exact quote was roll tide. So, uh, you know, heading into his Wednesday announcement, there was some speculation that he may take some more visits, wait until February. He told me he really didn't know where that came from, but that he planned to sign on Wednesday after school. And uh, it looks like Alabama's in really good position, Gary, 6'4", 225. He's very athletic. And i tell you what I like about him. You watch him play defense. He's really aggressive. He's very quick. He's got a great first step. But I'm telling you, Gary, if he didn't work out on defense, he looks like one of those guys that could be a really good tight end, H-back type guy. You know, I mean, he's athletic. He can jump. uh, He can catch the ball really, really well. He looks like he knows what he's doing after the catch. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. I think Solomon Williams out of Tampa probably going to end up at texas a&m it looks like now he's been all all over the map a little bit but um so i think he's probably going to end up at uh you know texas a&m and offensive tackle is always a priority and alabama looks like it's uh, kind of narrowed its uh, last offensive tackle offer to favor edwin out of mcdonough georgia and uh you seem to think based on what i've read on ti that alabama is the the team to beat here I think, you know, obviously Auburn thought they kind of had him locked up. And, and, and then when Seton, Jordan Seton, committed to Colorado about 10 days ago, uh, really kind of opened the door for favor Edwin. I think even though Alabama was recruiting him extremely hard, uh, he's 6'8", like close to 300 pounds right now. I was talking to a former SEC offensive lineman last week and said, you know, he was kind of amused that everyone said he was such a project. Because he's rated a three-star, he probably, you know, obviously needs some polishing up. Most of these offensive linemen do. But he said, look, he said, man, this guy's got a chance of potential. He said he sees exactly what Wolford would see in him, Eric Wolford, the offensive line coach, because he said he's really, really talented. He's a guy that's got a ton of potential. So, favor Edwin out of McDonough, Georgia. Yeah, I would keep an eye on him. I'd keep an eye on Jay Sean Ross for Wednesday. And then also, obviously, Steve Mboamoa. Uh, we call him Steve M. from Canada, the defensive lineman. 
Rod, um, wide receiver. Alabama's got a nice class coming in, but there's, of course, a lot. All the focus is on Ryan Williams uh, from Saraland, who reclassified to 2024, won't sign until February. Of course, Auburn is really pushing hard there. He was at the basketball game on Sunday. I mean, the guy's having fun. I don't blame him. I, I still feel like in my gut, he's been to, he's been committed to Alabama for 14 months. And uh, I think when all is said and done, that's that's where he's going to sign. But you're going to have to going to have to wait a couple months to find out. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I'm with you. Uh, I think right now, based on everything I've heard, that uh, you know Alabama's still in real good position, and that uh, T. Rob I, apparently, you know, again, I don't have firsthand knowledge of it, but what people tell me is he has a really good relationship with Ryan Williams, his father. And that's a really strong factor in all this thing. This recruitment, again, it's relationships mean something too. Mm-hmm. Not just, you know, whether it's NIL or whatever. But um, so I think T. Rob apparently has a great relationship with his father. And um, everything I hear right now is that it's very favorable for Alabama, even though, you know, again, you have to sweat it out. I, I go back to this. It reminds me a little bit of the Najee Harris recruitment when Najee committed early as a sophomore to Alabama, kind of like you know, Ryan Williams, and then you had Michigan pushing the whole time, mm-hmm. you know, and now this is just another situation where, uh, you know, Ryan Williams is in a similar situation <clears throat> with Auburn pushing. <laughs> Hang in there, Rodney. Yep, you know how it is this time oh, of year. Oh, it's, it's but, uh, everybody, everybody is, is, is dealing with it. The Perry Thompson rumors, uh, of course, the Alabama commit that flipped to Auburn, and now there's a lot of buzz out there. I, I, and that's a thing, too. I, I'll be shocked if he uh, doesn't sign with Auburn. I, I get the feeling this is a little bit of window dressing and just uh, him having a, a little bit of fun. Um, that's my take on it. Uh, how do you see it with Perry Thompson? Any chance he flips back to Bama? You know, I mean, there. I've had one guy tell me one source that I talked to that's, that's, a, that's a good source. You know, he hits, hits on a lot of stuff, and he said he, he thinks that Perry Thompson, there's a, there's a good chance it could happen. I, I'm not so optimistic on that one, uh, to be honest with you. And, again, that's just my speculation. I, I don't really know uh, what's going to happen there. Uh, but, you know, I know that Auburn obviously has, has invested a lot into him in terms of their recruitment of him and, uh, you know, he's committed there, so uh, he, he's, he's certainly been made to feel a very high priority there. I know there's a lot of connections to Alabama with his family, with Perry, through the years following Alabama. Uh, so, you know, maybe that could, could change on signing day. But right now, if you made me, you know, make a call on that, I would certainly stick with Auburn. And, of course, uh, the portal's there. Alabama's, gonna, I'm sure, going to visit it at some point. But uh, right now the focus is on getting ready to play in the game and also on the high school uh, recruiting with the national signing period beginning on Wednesday. Ronnie, I want to ask you about Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Talk, speaking of the portal, um, and we're going to see Auburn do it heavily too. But, I mean, Kiffin, I think, has just thrown caution into the wind and said, you know what, we'll, we'll sign a few high school guys here and there. But we're going after the best players in the portal and he obviously, you know, if there was a 12-team playoff this year, they'd be in. And uh, he's gearing toward a playoff run next year. It's an interesting strategy. I don't know how all this works with NIL. I know that they've got a lot of offers out there. And sometimes I've already heard, Rodney, of guys being recruited. And then when you get to the school, it doesn't always come to fruition the way that, yeah. <laughs> you know, they had been told. What do you think of this strategy by Kiffin and Ole Miss? No, you know, I mean, I remember my Mississippi source telling me, what, a year or two ago, 
But uh, Kiffin was that was his focus. He was going to really hit the portal, and that was going to be uh, probably his main pipeline to to bringing in guys to to add to his roster. And uh, you know that's that's obviously he's he's doing it really really well right now in terms of luring in some top defensive linemen, a really good linebacker from Arkansas, this receiver that they got from South Carolina, Juice Wells. I know that, you know, there were some other schools that thought they had the inside track and, you know, Kiffin got him. So yeah, they're using it to their advantage. And, you know, they had a great season this year, obviously, like you said, they would have probably been in the playoff, whatever, if it had been a 12 team playoff. So, I mean, he's doing a fantastic job and, you know, I, I, I don't know if, if, exactly why he's using the portal as much what what the philosophy is there if it has something to do with you know he knows that Ole Miss can't go in and recruit you know 12 to 15 difference makers like some of these schools like whether it's Alabama or Georgia or some of these other schools maybe he feels like that you know he can recruit guys out of the portal that are difference makers so you know I guess maybe that could be it uh, with him, but uh, you know they're certainly going to have a very impressive roster. I know that. And in our final thirty seconds, Rodney, you're getting closer and closer to releasing your book, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, uh, man. It's been a process. Um, actually, Gary, they're, 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 I think the official announcement coming today that their pre-orders, you know, starting. If people want to, there's already been some uh, on RodneyOr.com, uh, Crest Publishing. Uh, is handling the book, but uh, yeah, we're we're hoping that uh, it's at the printer now, and hopefully, you know, I, I can't make a prediction on how long that takes because there's so many variables. But couple to couple to three weeks at the most, uh, hopefully, and you know, then it'll be it'll be out. Yeah, go to RodneyOr.com and, and order yours today. What's the title, Rodney? It's bigger than Bama is the title, and if you go if you go to RodneyOr.com, there's a you know a copy of the cover front and back and you can read the back cover and it really kind of explains the book and the purpose of the book so uh you know it's not just alabama football gary even though there is a lot of that it's a lot of the personal story you know it's a lot of things that you know i've experienced and uh you know throughout throughout life and how how i became an alabama fan how i was driven to to start tighter insider and how it against all odds it kind of came to fruition but also the, the the personal side of that with addictions that uh, unexpectedly hit our family, you know, with my wife, and then also with uh, you know my stepson Brandon, and how you know my wife succumbed to that addiction, but also how Brandon, you know, miraculously became uh, uh, he overcame his his trouble and is now uh, you know has ascended life ministries in Des Moines, Iowa. Yep, can't wait for it. And of course folks get to tighterinsider.com as well and sign up for the best Alabama coverage. Thanks, Rod. Okay, buddy. Take care. All right, nine fifty five. We got to break away and come back and wrap it up pretty quick after this. Stay with us. Hey, football fans, need a good place to watch the game? It doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sunny and breezy at times today, the high 55. Clear and turning colder tonight, the low 26. Tomorrow and Wednesday, a good supply of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow, 48. The high Wednesday in the middle 50s at 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 42 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 957, that's going to wrap it up for hour number one. Our thanks to Rodney Orr from TiderInsider.com. This hour has been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Member owned and not for profit, it's just a better way of banking. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Hour number two is coming up, and we'll have Casey Smith on golf at 1030. A lot to talk about with Casey. Also, we're going to get to some of Hugh Freeze's comments. Uh, he held a press conference on Saturday to preview their Music City Bowl, and, and in general, just get in front of the media uh, to help their recruiting efforts. But uh, Hugh Freeze talked to uh, reporters on Saturday. We'll have some of that for you all coming up in the second hour. The Gary Harris Show. <laughs> WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles, here's Nick Cope. On Sunday Night Football, the Ravens took care of the Jaguars 23-7. Baltimore clinches a playoff spot while maintaining the number one seed in the AFC. Bills thump the Cowboys 31-10, moving to 8-6. Dallas falls to 10-4. Buffalo running back James Cook, 179 yards and two scores. Niners clinch the NFC West, a 45-29 win against the Cardinals. Brock Purdy threw four touchdowns, while Christian McCaffrey had three. ESPN reports Nick Mullins is expected to start a quarterback for the Vikings again this Sunday when they take on the Lions. In the NBA, the Athletic reports Draymond Green has started counseling and is expected to be suspended for at least the next three weeks. College football, USC freshman quarterback Malachi Nelson, the number one recruit in last year's class, is entering the transfer portal. And North Carolina basketball legend Eric Montrose died yesterday. He was battling cancer. Now, this hour is West Alabama real-time news update from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. Northport City Council President Jeff Hogg publishing a letter this morning asking Kentucky officials to meet with the council before the Tuscaloosa City Council considers a memorandum of agreement tomorrow night with the Arts Festival. Fifteen people lost their lives on Alabama roadways this past Thanksgiving holiday. Alabama Trooper Reginald King says the worst part of the job is informing a family they have lost a relative. A six-figure grant from Tom Bigby Resource Conservation and Development is helping fund resources for emergency services in Bibb County. Get 24 24- Seven local news coverage and sports updates when you download the free Tuscaloosa Thread app and sign up for twice daily email newsletters. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go. Hour number two, the Gary Harris Show, right here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC, the Tide 109 app, and Tide109.com. I'm Gary Harris, Justin Jones, right there on the other side of the glass. This hour, the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law, Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. 
in West Alabama. Feet on the ground. Paul's in Tuscaloosa at 205-345-1000. Mike Comer's in Northport, 205-759-3939. Look them in the eyeball. Meet with them in person. Don't do your business over the phone. If you need a personal injury attorney, you need people that are right here in West Alabama that'll see it all the way through for you. I highly vouch for Paul Patterson and Mike Comer. Patterson Comer, attorneys at law. The commitment to serve our clients does not stop at the end of the workday. We're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. Casey Smith on golf coming up at 1030. We're also going to hear from Hugh Freeze. who met with the media on Saturday. And Justin and I are going to get into this uh, Chip Kelly thoughts on revamping college football and college athletics and having one big, huge conference and letting the other sports play more regionally. I, I think it's a pretty good idea. We'll talk about that in a moment. But right now, we're going to jump out on the Krispy Kreme Donuts Hotline and uh, presented by our good friends at Krispy Kreme, hot and fresh anytime, and talk with Roland. Good morning, Roland. Hey, Gary. How you doing this morning? Doing well. Uh, you know, I've I listened to Tom, and I respect Tom, and I really enjoy Tom's calls. I really do. Uh, but, you know, I think he's getting a little bit carried away. Uh, you know, I, I love, you know, Alabama sports. I love Alabama basketball, football, whatever. But, you know, I think uh, Coach Oates, I think he knows what he's doing. I trust him just like I do Coach Saban. And I don't know the, you know, the X's and O's of the defenses and all that, uh, why you, you know, of some of it. But I, I think he, pl- I agree with what, some of what you said. It has a lot to do with the type of game we play and all that. And, you know, and I, I, I'm enjoying Coach Osis. Uh, I hope he stays at Alabama a long time. I enjoy going out and playing these big games against big-time opponents. And you're not going to win all these games nope. when you play them, at, at them kind of games. You're just not. Ask Kentucky. Ask, ask, ask a lot of these teams. And if you uh, go back like the Bader, when they start getting good with uh, the coach they got now, they went out and played a lot of these big-time games. They didn't win a lot of them. But gradually you start winning more and your program grows and and you know i think that's what's going to happen in alabama we play these games we're on uh, fox seven o'clock on saturday night uh, i'm not sure uh, what the arizona games is on or arizona's games on this coming week but i'm sure it's going to be on national tv we're on you know cbs on saturdays we on espn so this basketball team get a lot of exposure and i think by the time this team gets to the SEC, and I think, you know, I don't think there's no great, great team in the SEC. I think we'll be, you know, a pretty good team in the SEC, and I think we'll hold our own. And But I think, you know, Coach Ose has got this program in the right direction, and he knows where he wants to carry it, and I love his passion. I don't know if you heard him after the game. You know, he said, we're not into moral victories anymore. We're past that. We, right. We're here to win. And, you know, that's, that's just my thought on it. No, I'm 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 with you. I, I trust Coach Oates. I think he's I think he's top notch coach. I think what he's done here at Alabama basketball has been impressive. And then to lose as many players as he lost from last year and have this roster overhauled the way it's been overhauled and to be as competitive as they are, I think it's a testament to him and his coaching ability and his vision. So I'm you know, I'm disappointed they didn't beat Creighton the other night. I am. But I'm you know, I'm feeling good about this team. I mean, again, with you look at it. the schedule, uh, with all the new players that Alabama has playing against this schedule, it's it's tough. There's no other way around it. I guess my dig- biggest disappointment uh, game was the Clemson game. I felt like we had the better team playing at home. We should have won that right. game. 
But then again, that's going to happen from time to time. And, you know, uh, like I say, when you play these type games, you're going to lose some of them. And uh, that's just where we're at right now with it. And I think if Betty Yako would come back, I think this team would have been a lot better defensively. And I think we possibly could have won one or both of these games. We might even be unbeaten right now or sitting there one loss with Betty Yako. But, you know, uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure you are too. I enjoy going out and playing Arizona and UCLA and people like that, you know, instead of Northwestern State and uh, teams, some of these uh, SEC, teams, SEC teams play. And uh, that's, that's, where, that's, where you, that's, that's how you get the big time is go out and schedule these games. If you remember Florida State in football, when Bobby Bowden went there, he went, went out and played anybody, anywhere, anytime and uh, build that program. So, you know, uh, that's, that's just what you do sometimes with some programs. Hey, great call, Rowan. Appreciate you, man. Okay, thanks, Gary. Good points, indeed. All right, it's 10.08 here on the Gary Harris Show. And uh, we're going to get to Chip Kelly, the UCLA head coach, former Oregon head coach, former Philadelphia Eagles head coach, San Francisco 49ers head coach. And um, he, of course, is at a West Coast school, Pac-12 school, now to be in the Big Ten. But he's not happy with the realignment. And and I don't blame him. Um, He's saying basically that the whole – structure needs to be reworked and that um, college football needs a conference commissioner and uh, we should just have you know one big college football conference and basically be independent in football and then you'll have your other schools being a conference that's more regionally aligned or your other sports I should say I'm sorry and uh, here's Chip Kelly before the UCLA L.A. Bowl went over Boise State talking about where we're at right now in collegiate athletics. Is the the biggest issue that you might have right now, whether it be realignment, NIL, transfer portal, and what would your, your plan maybe be to, to try to solve it? I think they're all a problem, and I think we need to have a conference commissioner. I think football should be separate from the other sports. Just the fact that our school is leaving to go to the Big Ten in football, our, our softball team should be playing Arizona in softball. Our basketball team should be playing Arizona in basketball. But because football left. And they're saying, well, how do you do that? Well, Notre Dame's independent in football. And they're in a conference and everything else. I think we should all be independent in football. And you can have a 64-team conference that's in the Power Five. And you can have a 64-team conference in the Group of Five. And we separate it. And we play each other. You can have the West Coast teams. And then every year we play seven games against the West Coast teams. And then we play the East. So we play Syracuse, Boston College, Pitt, West Virginia, Virginia. Then the next year you play against the South while you still play your seven teams. You can play a seven-game schedule. You can play four against another conference, another division opponent, and you can always play against one Mountain West team every year so that we can still keep those rivalries going. Not that I've really thought about this. <laughs> Not that I've allowed to spend the time on this. But I think if you went together collectively as a group and said there's 132 teams and we all share, in the, same ter- we all share the same TV contract so that the Mountain West doesn't have one and the Sun Belt doesn't have another and SEC has one and they have another, that we all go together, that's a lot of games, and there's a lot of people in the TV world that would go through it. You can sponsor each one. Instead of calling it Group of Five and Power Five, you can call it Amazon, Nike, bid that out to things. You do a lot of different things. But I think if we still do the same thing and take all that money, and I would do this, and I think this needs to be done, that money now needs to be shared with the student-athletes, and there needs to be revenue sharing, and the players should get paid, and you can get rid of NLI, and the schools should be paying the players because the players are what the product is. And the fact that they don't get paid is really the biggest travesty. 
You know, I think he makes a lot of great points. And um, <clears throat> we keep discussing this. We keep saying somebody needs to do something. And the question remains, who's the somebody and what are they going to do? You know, who's the someone and what, what are he or she going to be able to do to change this? So right now it's just, it's just running amok. Let's just be honest about it. You know, there's talk of two, three million dollars for quarterbacks in the portal, and this got nothing to do with NIL. This isn't, this isn't, you know, somebody saying, "Hey, we want to market with you. We want to, we want to um, partner with you to promote our product." This is just, we want you to come to our school, and this is how much we're willing to pay you. And it is what it is, but it would be nice if there was some. You know, I, I, I like what Kelly said. Let's just go ahead and pay the players. We're you know, what's this this joke of NIL? That's what it is. It's a joke. Let's just go ahead and pay them. Let's just go ahead and, and, and have a revenue pool or a revenue stream where if you're on scholarship at a Power 5 school, you get a certain amount of money each year to play there. And then if you want to do true NIL on top of that and, you know, find some marketing opportunities, but that these players don't have to be um, – shuffled in and out of the portal every year they can just say hey this is what the going you know this is what you get paid and i'm gonna get that at every school if i have some more nil opportunities true nil opportunities that we can somehow manage then go for it but let's just pay the players and i mean that's where i'm at now i, I wasn't a proponent of it but uh, then players aren't going to be looking to leave as soon as they get in and have some success. In other words, if if all these players at the Power 5 schools are making a salary and it's the same, then there's not as much incentive to jump to another school. So I don't know, you know, and, and I like what Kelly said too about, you know, it is ridiculous that the volleyball team at UCLA is going to have to go across the country to play Syracuse and it's part of a conference Um well, UCLA will be in the Big Ten, but my point is they might have to go to Penn State and play. So it's uh, right now everybody's trying to navigate through it. Everybody's trying to get players, and schools are using NIL supposedly to bring players in. But I hope at some point here soon we get some type of, you know, just some type of control over all of this. All right, we're going to get to the break. Uh, the phone lines are open on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hot line, hot and fresh anytime at Krispy Kreme. 205-342-9904 is the number. Glad to have Krispy Kreme on board. And also uh, on the first hour, we've got uh, first and main condominiums with the hotline Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline in the second hour. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, phone calls are open there on the Krispy Kreme hotline, 205-342-904. Also going to hear from Auburn head coach Hugh Freeze. And then we've got uh, Casey Smith coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll be back after this. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sunny and breezy at times today, the high 55, clear and turning colder tonight, the low 26. Tomorrow and Wednesday, a good supply of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow, 48. The high Wednesday in the middle 50s at 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 48 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Follow the Crimson Tide on their journey to another national championship. Touchdown, Alabama! On your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Ten seventeen. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Phone lines are open on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline, 205-342-9904. Reminder, Christmas is a week away, but still time for you men out there to look your best. You can do it at T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. Get by and see Tom and the folks there. They will hook you up with a good-looking Christmas suit. Um, Man, just an unbelievable collection of menswear. Plus, of course, that one-of-a-kind Alabama football memorabilia that is in the store and is for sale. you got to see it to believe it at T-Town Menswear, T-Town Gallery in the University Mall. Justin, what do you think of Chip Kelly's uh, recommendation in regards to we just need to go ahead and just and just separate football. Uh, let's have a 64-team conference in the Power Five. Let's have a 64-team uh, conference in the – group of five and let's make these other sports more reasonably based and um, approach it like that. I don't know how much momentum that's going to, to build, but I think some of what he said has a lot of credibility. I agree. I think it's a great idea. He makes a lot of good points. The only issue I've found really is he says that the sponsorships will in TV deals will, you know, bring the companies, the TV companies that is interested and bring them in and they'd be down to do it i don't see how you're going to go to the conferences to the sec and the acc and not the pac-12 anymore but the big 10 big 12 and convince them you're not to revenue share as well they're going to laugh at you i think that's the problem is it's a concept i think the concept's good but that uh and that 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 bird's already flown the coop you know like you said it's for for the sec and the big 10 uh, it isn't just about football. They're looking at their conference-wide. Uh, There's a lot of money coming in for men's basketball and, and some of the other sports that they want to be able to um, spotlight as well. And I don't think they want the feeling that football is is separate. Uh, and, and, you know, and they don't want to give up that control either. If you, try, if you start talking about one big conference, uh, then the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, the Big 12, then, you know, they're all in the same conference for football, and then you're managing all your other conference sports differently. Uh, they're not going to go for that. But it's 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 a narrative that I'm glad he brought up because I think, again, when coaches say things like this, at least we say to ourselves, well, something's got to be done. I mean, this 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 portal, this NIL, all this stuff just run amok. And, uh you know, it's, you know, we got to do something. I mean, it just, I don't think it can continue to go the way it's going. I mean, this is crazy right now. You know, teams trying to play bowl games, teams trying to play in football playoffs, teams trying to manage your roster, guys jumping in the portal, guys going in the portal that are playing in the college football playoff. My goodness. That's everything that we're taught that you play for is an opportunity to win a national championship. And we got guys going in the portal and leaving their schools that are going into the college football playoff. So it's crazy. Hugh Freeze spoke on some portal stuff and quarterbacks and much more on Saturday when he held a press conference to uh, 
preview the upcoming Music City Bowl appearance against Maryland. Here's Hugh Freeze. Uh, we're going to run some of what he had to say on Saturday. Not going to run it all, but here's the Auburn head coach meeting with the Auburn media Saturday morning. Yeah, excited to, to start practice today. I've missed our kids and, uh, and, and seeing them around and um, you feel a little scattered, truthfully, um, with everything that's going on and the calendar we're faced with. And uh, to combine, you know, bowl prep with that is uh, it just it makes for a full weekend for sure with us having recruits here and uh, trying to start uh, bowl prep. It's uh, but it's exciting that we have that opportunity and it's going to give, you know, I divide the, the year up. Um, and kind of segments for my mind and you have that that spring um strength and conditioning period in january and february that's critical and then spring practice obviously summer workouts to get you ready for fall camp fall camp then you break the season up into the the different seasons based on your open weeks and then obviously uh, you jump into recruiting and then hopefully you have a another segment of the season that's around bowl season and that's uh, what we're facing this that's always a good good thing my parents all right, we'll go back to it. That's, uh, you know, that's the problem playing YouTube stuff. I mean, usually they let you get through a few minutes before they jump in with an ad. All right, let's go back to Hugh Freeze. That we have uh, put ourselves in position to get extra practices and extra play. Um, we're playing a very good opponent. Um, you watch them play the the upper echelon in their conference, and it was uh, it was impressive, uh, particularly the Michigan game and. And, and the things they did in, in that game to have a chance to win it truthfully. And I think their quarterback is uh, maybe the leading passer in Big Ten history. Um, they're very efficient and um, run screen game a bit more than we've seen. We'll have to tackle extremely well in the, against them. Very athletic and defensive. They're very physical. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be a great challenge. I know Coach Loxley fairly well. Um, and uh, the two years I took off, I spent some time there with, with him when he was at, up the road at Alabama and a very, very, very good football coach. And it will be a great challenge for us um, um, in the Music City Bowl. So, But we're excited to get started. Just had a team meeting and um, looking, looking forward to the next week with them before we break for Christmas holidays and then um, meet up at the bowl site. All right. Are they? Is that was that the whole thing, Justin? Are they going to ask him some questions or what's going? What's going on? They were on? going to questions. There It was just a pause. We can get back to yeah. It, let's so. let's just stay with it for a little bit. With all of that, because I never like to speak. Um, sometimes I say things that are not exactly accurate, and I don't like doing that. Um, it's not intentional, and um, I, I believe that uh, DJ and Pritchett will will not play. Um, as I believe that about Marcus Harris also. I think those guys will um, will decide to opt out. Um, I believe everybody else is, uh, obviously you have the transfer portal world. It's a whole different, maybe that's a whole different discussion, but um, but I think the rest, um, the rest are, are planning to play as long as they're healthy enough to play. I do as long, you know, again, he's nursing that hamstring some, but I just met with him. He he has intentions to play. 
Hewitt, the transfer portal, I know you can't go into specifics on who y'all are going after right now, but this this early window at the time it, as it is, how do you feel like you, you guys have been able to handle that and trying to you know manage that knowing that you also got high school recruiting and bowl prep and all, all that stuff? Um, don't think I've handled it very well, truthfully. <laughs> I've um, We want to build this program through high school um, for the most part. Having said that, I don't know that you can ever isolate yourself into saying that's what's going to happen because you don't know how many you're going to lose um, at, at this time, if that makes sense. So you can you can plan to, hey, we're going to replace these 20 seniors with 20 high schoolers, but then all of a sudden you have 30 spots and you haven't recruited uh, enough high schoolers for those spots, and obviously you have to go to the portal then and um, – I think our calendar is extremely messed up. I don't think it's good for um, high school recruiting, portal recruiting, managing your own team, getting ready for bowl prep. I, I think our calendar needs a serious, serious look at it um, to to for for what's best for our game. Um, so it's been it's it's hard for any of us to to truly manage all of it truthfully. You talked with us before about some of the young guys in the secondary where you knew you were going to be thin. You're really thin up front defensively now. What uh, what are you thinking? Maybe some movement yeah. or, or have to play what, these, what options you got? I just told these young guys they're going to get uh, thrown in there, you know, and it'll be fun to watch them. And um, it truthfully, you know, I, I hope to play. Well, you're going to get those young corners and, and for sure and um, be good to get there, there, see how they prepare for a game and then go play a very talented football team. And, um, you know, up front we are a little thin now for sure with Masai being out and then Marcus choosing not to play. And um, so this next man up, we got to get some of these young guys in there, some DJ Reeds and some Bobbies, and uh, throw them in there and see how they do. All right, that is uh, Hugh Freeze from uh, Saturday morning meeting with the uh, Auburn Media core and uh, talking about their upcoming bowl game and he also talked about Robbie Ashford we didn't hear it there but he said that you know he wished him well I talked about this earlier in the show and he also said that they might look at getting a quarterback in the portal but he felt very comfortable at Peyton Thorne was one of the best returning quarterbacks in the country. And they feel confident that with another year in the system that Peyton Thorne can play winning football for them at the quarterback position. <clears throat> All right, it's 1027 here on the Gary Harris Show. You know, the YMCA of Tuscaloosa is a great place to get fit with a great community of people that are just fun to hang out with and be around. As I've been talking about now for the last month, they got brand new cardio equipment that was installed November the 20th. Individual TV screens, on-demand fitness programming, streaming and Bluetooth capable. Uh, that's right now at the YMCA. So it's a great time to visit and get ready for the new year. Get by and see them at the YMCA, 2300 13th Street downtown. Or we'll be back with Casey Smith on golf next right here on the Gary Harris Show. Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big-screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. 
Billy's, good food, good friends, and good. Exclusive Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. It's time for Casey Smith on golf and uh, always uh, enjoy visiting with Casey on Mondays. And we got a lot to talk about this morning. We've had, it's been busy, even though we're getting ready to crank up for 2024 with all the off the course news that's going on with the golf ball and live. But uh, we got some golf uh, on the course news to talk about this morning as well. Good morning, Casey. How are you? I am doing great, Gary. Hope you had a great weekend. Thank you. Uh, Let's jump right into the PNC championship, which has become a very popular event uh, with, Tiger and Charlie Woods always, of course, grabbing the spotlight, but it's, uh, um, you know, parent-child um, event. I won't call it father-son anymore because there are, you know, obviously uh, women playing as well. But it's a, it's a fun event, a competitive event. But, uh, of course, the weather wreaked havoc down there in Florida with the rain. They had to play early Saturday and Sunday, which kind of messed the TV up. But uh, Bernhard Longer and his son went it at 25-under. How about uh, David Duvall and company finishing second? And, um, you know, just a lot of fun and some some pretty good golf, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, always great to watch because you can see some of the stars of the past combined with their, you know, superstar kids. I think the strength of this event is in the partner. A lot of times you catch a a hot partner. um, Bernard Longer and them have won their uh, sixth championship, I think what it was, the sixth. And, um his son, this son, and actually trumped the other son who had won with two. And so um, he's won with three different kids, um, his son that played at Penn. So, you know, there's always a story about the partner. you got to have your partner in a two-man better ball event. And, uh, you know, longer son played at Penn, good player. Obviously, I watched most of it. Uh, caught a heater. He just was in Fuego yesterday and allowed them to separate a little bit from the field. Uh, and, you know, same for Duvall. I mean, Duvall's both sides of that. They were making everything they looked at and very blustery, cold, windy conditions for Orlando this time of year. And then obviously we got to see some of the Thomases who didn't make a lot of putts. Who we are all used to, used to, We're and, used to that, aren't we, Casey, the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, they, they I, I, you know, I know that his putting got a little better than his last two regular events, and uh, maybe having Dad there adds a little bit of, like, now that he's removed himself from teachers micromanaging him, and his dad being on the road with him, being a teacher of his still, uh, it may may have hurt him a little bit, right? I mean, they were, they were definitely being analytical where he's tried to get out of that, and they just didn't make anything. Um, I mean, missing bad, bad as well. Uh, and then, you know, Tiger and Charlie Woods, star of the show. Charlie Woods is 15 years old and already got his clubhead speed up to 120 miles per hour, which is very top-end PGA Tour, uh, which would be faster than JT swings it on average um, and his dad. 
So, uh, you, you know, they've really eased Charlie Woods into the, a lot of a lot of parents. Um, this is where he started his really like junior golf career in terms of with some, with some eyeballs. A lot of parents, you know, put their kids out there into these AJGAs early on, and something that I, I've watched Tiger with this this child here different than himself. He has managed his expectations, tried to and tried to do that. I think by managing his pressure, already knowing that his, him being his dad wasn't going to help uh, any of that. That they were going to slow start him into real big time junior golf, so they didn't burn him out. And uh, they they got him in this event four years ago. They had four straight top tens. He was a little little kid then at 11, but now at 15. I mean, he looks really good. He, he's got a lot of a lot of skill, a lot of game. He will. Um, He'll definitely be a top-flight C1 golfer as long as he stays well and continues to improve. The thing about Charlie Woods is, of course, obviously he and Tiger are going to, you know, they're going to be the focus is that he's really good. And uh, I was, you mentioned the Spinks, the club hit speed. I was shocked at how far he hits it. And, of course, he's got, you know, he's got that Tiger swagger too now to the point where, Few people on social media, media got a little tired of him, to be honest with you, pretty quick <clears throat> with his carrying on, waving at the ball, and you know, walking the putts in, and you know, be a kid that age. But he's got the game to back it up. I, I can't, I can't get over how good he is. I can't. I mean, well, Casey, I, I, he's, I he's really, he's really, really, really good. He's really, really, really good, and that's why I said that you know piece about that before because if you were a regular fan and you went out to the National Junior Golf Scoreboards or all that, you look, you're not going to see his name up there near the top of the best players in his class, you know, perception-wise. He is, uh, his, his, his dad has managed him playing in these big, big, big events. Now, he's played in some of these events, the Notable Gay Tour and some of those events, and he won a state high school championship in ninth grade as his team did. And he was in the top five with some good players on his team. But they haven't gone out to all these individual events to let him go shine yet. And I think that's probably good. You know, being on television with these eyeballs four years in a row hasn't hurt him at all. I think a lot of that swagger comes from a lot, from what I gather. He plays in a lot of games with JT and his dad. um, And it's obviously helping him. And those guys are, uh, my, my friends I know say they're always just, those guys on tour just giving him a hard time all the time, and so he's talking trash back to them, and it's just sort of mannerisms of uh, carried over from some of those side games with real tour pros. Casey Smith on golf with us. Um, all right, I guess now we're off until uh, the Champions event over in Hawaii. Is that right? How's the calendar look? Century, Century Tournament of Champions will be your next event for the PGA Tour, uh, which is good. Everybody gets them a break. Actually, Kevin Kisner is going to be the in-studio or in-booth commentator. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah. Now he's still going to be playing, that. too. He's just doing this as a little sideline to try it out. Just to see where it goes, if this is it. I think he's dabbled with, I want to play. The game's still good. I've gotten a little bit of a slump. This, these are those are the as you know those at that level are really golden tickets. You got a chance to potentially move into a role where you earn more than you do on tour without a lot of the pressure and still around the game. So um, I think as, as he's looking into where he's at in his life and his age and his ability relative to how it's getting younger, uh, he's not a long guy, and uh, maybe you know there's one of those rare opportunities. So. 
especially you can try it out twice before potentially auditioning for the, the job full time if you wanted it. Casey, let's uh, change gears here and the Live PGA Tour deal. And this kind of is in line with what you said all along. And I haven't always agreed with you. I, I think the PGA Tour pros have a pretty good life. And I think they've got, you know, I, I, I have a hard time feeling sorry for these guys. I'll, I'll be honest with you. But uh, with Live out there, it has drawn, you know, it has shown some of the things that the PGA Tour is lacking in. And Victor Hovland just very recently, like today, um, said he is not going to live. He's staying with the PGA Tour, but he blasted the tour and just, you know, talked about what a poor job they've done and that they treat uh, the players like laborers and, and not uh, partners. And I don't know if you've seen his comments yet, but I think that, you, as you said, there's a lot of players, even the ones that are staying with the PGA Tour because they just don't care for the live format, that still aren't happy with the way things have been handled. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably advantageous for people like him, who are one of the best players on tour, to also stay on a tour, win, great legacy, knowing what's going on. So there's tons of money to be made to stay. But his comments are everything that I've tried to say, you know, for months on here, uh, just letting the listeners hear, really, what, it's a problem at the top of the food chain there with the PGA Tour. His comments talk about that. It's about a bad lack of leadership. There's just so many things they could do differently and I don't feel sorry for the guys either. They're making a ton of a ton of money. It's just how um, if you remove PGA Tour and you put that in the regular business world, no one operates like that, and um, it, it just it doesn't work. And the guy still has a job. And and now I think because John Rahm went, um, it probably sped up from what I gather the process uh, of this deal getting done. Now uh, looks like it could be Arthur Blank. Uh, Fenway Sports Group. There's a there's a, a group of about, and I don't know if some of these names are going to be mentioned or not. I hear some of them might remain private, but there's there's a group of multi billionaires who are involved in sport that have investments across the board are likely the ones that are coming together in this making this investment into uh, the PGA Tour, which the Live has fifth has to have a third party the way the uh, the filings are for them to be a part. So I think I think if anyone, everyone, you know, I think by them getting Rom saying still, we really want to get a deal done. We're just taking one of your best assets to make this deal get done. That was their forcing the hand of, mm-hmm. uh, of some of the people on the PGA Tour side because that that put a lot of the guys, the Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, is going, whoa, what's going on here? We didn't think we were going to lose him, and. You know, they probably let Rory have a little bit too much say in it early on. He's obviously turned into bad PR for this. It's all about what he's wanted and instead of really looking at it as a holistic view. Uh, but I think the deal gets done. I thought it was going to get done all along. There's too much money in, in it to get done. There's a TV uh, play there. And then how they would eventually sort this out, that's sort of the next, the next move if it does get done. One thing I like about Hovland, and you know, I've talked about, you know, what a competitor he is, and you say he's just a great young man. I, I did like what he said about Liv. You know, he did, he said, I can't criticize anybody for going. He talked about Rom, But this is something I've always told you. I, I, I don't care what anybody says. If you want to be the best to me, you want to be on the PGA Tour. And he talked about the format not being for him. 
You need the competition with 150 players in a cut, he said. If you don't play well enough, you're out. There's something about it that makes your game a little sharper. If I'd gone to live, I don't think I would have become a better golfer. I agree with you 100%. I, I still think the competition. I 100% agree with you. The, it, but the, that's the worst thing the tour did in, in, in like, reaction, right, uh, to the live. Drop some of the and cuts, the, yeah. Yeah, like, it's like, whoa, wait a second here. That's the one thing that, you know, if you're going to even have 100 players, but that's the other side of that where, like, the leadership, not only are they making bad decisions everywhere, it's just all around. That being another one, the guys that want to stay realize what it, it, it's, it means something to make a cut. Your game has to be super razor sharp. And it doesn't have to be over there. And so you are so right about that. Uh, you know, if you want to make good money over there, you better be a good player. And then you have all the team aspects and whatnot. But, you know, there's a thought that the PGA Tour and this merger would have a have two teams playing in the Live Series if they, you know, break this calendar year out. And what you're hearing from now, too, is, well, this is the sixth straight uh, DP World Tour win this week from a live player. Louis won this week at the uh, in, in Africa at an event that was a DP World Tour event. They're letting them play in them, and so you can see that the, the live players would play in PGA Tour events, which would enhance the eyeballs as well. So it's really there's one uh, you know John Rahm goes and they suspend him right away, and and so they haven't like like they haven't learned any of their lessons and. That's just Jay Monahan with his feet in the sand, you know, the lines in the sand, here's what's gonna happen. But I think I think ultimately it'll all get done and hopefully when that that happens they get rid of Jay Monahan. Casey and we're gonna get to a question from from Tom in a moment who wants to talk to you and I told him that uh, we'd let him get on with you here in just a moment. But major championships, basically um, we're still gonna see all the top players in the major championships. I mean, there's none of those guys that don't live uh, that are playing live that aren't going to be eligible based on the fact they're with live, right? If they qualify, they're they're in. But it, the way it's set up now, it could still be more difficult for them to qualify for the majors, right? It's still very. If they can go back and fix it to where they're, you know, the the official World Golf Ranking group has some of the criteria in play, where like Taylor Gooch, who was the best player on live, is not exempt into the Masters, the PGA, or the Open Championship right now. that He can play his way on the U.S. Open. So there's some issues with maybe, let's call it, five or six players that would be qualified, maybe 10. Um, so that's 10% or whatever, uh, not 10% of your product when you talk about a field of 144 to 50 players. But, yeah, there, there's a little bit of that. A lot of those guys at the top have those exemptions that have won majors. And that's why Rom has no worry because he's in the majors. But... For reference, the majors have always meant more. Now they mean so much more. But, like, as a lot of the players have said, they don't want the golf calendar to just be four events, or then the sport becomes insignificant, similar to, like, a boxing or uh, a tennis. You have too many things going on. But I do think that, um, you know, you're going to have a chance to, uh, or, for instance, majors, like the Masters ticket's the highest it's ever been right now. Masters ticket today is higher than it's ever been in history. Uh, I looked at the U.S. US Open tickets in advance, highest they've ever been. Right, So I didn't even look at the other two majors, but that'll tell you what this is doing for uh, the, ma- the majors, making them even bigger. 
All right, Casey, we told Tom that uh, he could hop out here with you and ask you a question. Go ahead and punch him through, Justin, or I get him right here. Let's see. Well, I won't cut Casey off if I hit. Well, uh, okay. All right, Tom. Hey, Jerry. Thank you for uh, letting me talk to Casey. Casey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Love this part of the show. Um, Thank you. You know, uh, uh, several years ago on my own club, uh, I started playing around with length of shaft. And uh, I added some length to my iron. And instead of having to hit an eight, I could hit a nine. And, uh, and, and I wanted to ask you, with all this talk about the ball being restricted in flight, uh, is there things an elite player can do, play around with, like the lie of his club, maybe the loss? What, are there some things that an elite player would be playing around with to gain that length back? Yeah, I mean, for, for instance, good question. So, um, you know, it doesn't really change anything. You, just, you can just take a sharpie and change the number on your club. I mean, if you strengthen the loft of your club, I wouldn't say lie. There's lie and loft. If you strengthen the loft of your club, about every, every two degrees, you're going to get seven to ten yards. But you're also taking off a degree of bounce on the club. So if you strengthen it, you're taking off bounce. So the, that leading edge becomes sharper. Um, if you lengthen a driver, now they've put a little bit of a cap in that. They're not going to let you lengthen it past 47 inches. Uh, you obviously can bring in dispersion issues, but you're going to theoretically increase speed if you can swing it fast enough to, uh, to do that. So, yeah, that to answer your question, there are some yeses there. But ultimately, if you add length to irons, it's all going to make the club heavier, so you're not going to be able to swing it as fast. So that's why... Uh, and that, none of that adds to accuracy, right? So that's a that's a that's a big deal, obviously, on that level. I think you're just going to see these guys become continue to become better athletes. Um, they're going to learn to swing it faster. Um, that's just the way it's been, the way it's going. You have monitors, watch monitors, trackman, foresight quads, whatever. They're in abundance out there, and they tell people how fast they can swing a golf club. And, they, and then, obviously, with optimal launch angles and spin rates, all of that is factored in. So you're just producing the best conditions for the highest amount of launch with the least amount of spin. That's not going to change. Just It's just getting people to relearn how to hit it. I totally agree against all of it because, you know, I had a bunch of friends over the weekend say, you know, I feel like they're all average golfers. They're like, I'd never leave the golf course saying, boy, I dominated the golf course today. Uh, and so I think that's something that's being missed here. Um, anyway, there's a lot of things they could do, short the tee height, whatever, but there's going to be a lot of things that can be done to get the distance back. Uh, and you can bet I'm going to be someone that's trying to get mine back. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Lord knows I've, a few times I've played lately, I'm not. I told you, Casey. I, even with those great clubs that you helped me get, I, I man, I sure wish I could hit it farther. I'm telling you, man. I just. I surveyed about a hundred people since the announcement that are ten handicaps that are members of clubs or just really big golfers. Mm-hmm. Let's just call their averages ten handicaps, lower and higher. They all are like, what in the world? Are you kidding me? We're going to make the game harder? <laughs> it's just so hard as it is. It's not 
not really a need. There's a lot that can be done at the tour level, you know, to experiment um, that they could do in one event and figure it out, right? Here, we're going to play this event with a half of a tee. That's the, the max tee height. I bet you'd see 10 or 15 yards come back in distance, and it would solve exactly what they were trying to do, which would be about 5%. And it's really not from their end. Who cares what iron someone hits in? So it's just not really uh, not really thought out well, I don't think, in terms of uh, a global and the effects it will have on everyone. Well, I can tell you with just great confidence that my biggest flaw is like a lot of amateurs get in it to the top and then just want to cast it. You know, I just want to, I just want to jerk that club down and um, you lose everything when you do that. Don't you Casey? Yeah. I mean, you got to load and then you got to create that ground force, right? You create the whip. So it's, uh, it's almost that people say pull a chain, right? Yeah. So you, you yeah. get to the top and you're going to really then pull in down to the ball and mm-hmm. you're turning your body and you're creating you watch Justin Thomas does it as well as anyone, mm-hmm. given his size. He takes some drives off the ground to create that leverage to create speed. You know, yeah, for, I, go ahead, well, I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, as it relates to the golf ball, you know, the one bad thing about it is, as you and I both know, is what we don't want people being turned off by, at least from a you know, golfer's perspective. And now so many people have gotten back into it are, uh, you, you know, you, you're going to get people that never move up key. So their score is going to get worse. Yeah, that's There's true. There's no other way around it. People have an issue with going, there's a pride issue with people moving up tees. I see it every time I play golf, no matter what. I'm like, you play for whatever tee you want. That's really, it doesn't matter. There's not a men's, women's, seniors anymore, right? And so for this to work, the way they're going to want it to, they're going to have to really push out a move up, you know, uh, that, co- that goes against what they really want to do. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to push up a bifurcated move up a tee platform. It's a mess. They, yeah, there's a lot of bad leadership in golf right now. You know, it's, uh, we're, we're dealing with some stuff in the game. That's for sure. Yeah. Hey, Casey, tell, uh, tell the listeners how they can follow you on X and, uh, you know, at Smith Casey 10, at Smith Casey 10. And, uh, hey, it's been a great year. I appreciate you having me on and look forward to doing it more. This is, a, a, you know, just a great segment. It makes my week. Uh, it'll get fun here, too, in a couple few weeks when we start playing again. Thank you, Casey. Yes, sir. Have a good one. All right, 10.52. We'll take a break and come back and wrap up this edition of the Gary Harris Show. we got time for a phone call. If you want to give us a ring on the Krispy Kreme Donuts hotline at 205-342-9904. We're back after this. Philip M's named for the great jock dog. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sunny and breezy at times today, the high 55. Clear and turning colder tonight, the low 26. Tomorrow and Wednesday, a good supply of sunshine both days. The high tomorrow, 48. The high Wednesday in the middle 50s at 54. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 49 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, we're winding.
winding it down. Got about three minutes to go if you want to give us a ring on the first and main or this this hour is the Krispy Kreme hotline. I got first and main condo hotline for the first hour, Krispy Kreme hotline for the second hour. But to both great uh, businesses and both of them uh, we're excited to be affiliated with here on the Gary Harris Show. Hey, just looking ahead of the week, uh, as I said at the top, Alabama media availability. We'll have some player availability today, then following practice. Nick Saban will talk with the media, and then he'll talk again on Wednesday. And, um, you know, we got to take advantage of this before they get out to to California. And then, you know, over the weekend, they'll continue to prep right here in, in Tuscaloosa. And then, obviously, Christmas, uh, you know, people will take a break. And then they're going to get out to uh, Pasadena on the 26th, Justin, and basically have nearly an entire week out there. Because as we said, this is the, this is the bowl trip. If they win this game... Uh, they won't get into Houston until probably Friday night, and there won't be a lot of functions. That'll be focused on playing the national championship game. It's just like when I went to Indy two years ago, uh, or most of these games now that you have a semifinal. The semifinal game is the game where they do all the pomp and circumstance and all the events. And if you win that one, the national championship game, you fly in, you prep the weekend, you play the game. I can remember when I uh, was in high school, still went to the national championship in 2017 in Tampa, and you're right. It was basically the press the day before mm-hmm. and that was it that I mean, was it, it was the game yeah they they they've cut back on a lot of that playing the two games obviously in the bcs national championship game days you only played the one game you know you you got into the bcs national championship game and you went out a week in advance and had all kinds of media functions and now with two games this game will have a lot of pomp and circumstance and then that national championship game will be all business. I mean, it'll be getting down to the nitty gritty, but you got to win the Rose Bowl to get there to Houston. And that's the goal of Alabama and Michigan. We'll continue this week to get into more conversation in regards to the game. Uh, We'll get some more people on that have ties to Michigan uh, the way we did uh, a couple weeks ago with uh, Reiner Saban, who covers uh, Michigan, used to cover Alabama. So we'll have all that coming up this week. All right, that's going to do it for this hour of the Gary Harris Show. It's been brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. And uh, we'll get out of here and make way for the Miller's Edge with Corey and Christian Miller from 11 until noon. Big noon sports from noon until 2. And then Ryan Fowler will take you home with the game from 2 until 6. For Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Thanks for listening, everybody. Catch me on TV tonight with your local sports on WVUA 23. And back here tomorrow for the Tuesday edition of the Gary Harris Show. to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Lord, I'm craving.